My name is Gary Bontrager, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Mindset Growth Podcast. I have Heather, my co-host, with me here today. We're very excited for our next guest. Uh, this is somebody who is certainly uh, not only an author, but works with other people, helping them reach their potential, and also works uh, towards just changing maybe the ways we think and how we process and focus and look at the world so that we can be more effective in not only our own life, but in the lives of others that are around us. So with that, I'm going to welcome Karen Allen to the Mindset Growth Podcast. Welcome. Hi, Karen. Thanks so much, Gary. It's great to be here with you and Heather. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. So tell me a little bit or tell us and our audience a little bit about about yourself and how you grew up and maybe like even start when you were young, you know, you're as a child and kind of what maybe took you a little bit to hear if you can give it, uh, give us a brief overview of all that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go way back for you. Okay. <laughs> well, I was uh, an Air Force kid. And so I think that says a lot about my mindset because we had to adapt. We had to change. And actually, my first memory is in Okinawa, Japan. So I lived there from the time I was two until seven. And when we came back to the States, I literally said to my parents, I'm like, well, when are we going home? Mm -hmm. Because I thought I was Japanese and, you know, I grew up in that culture. Uh, come to find out Okinawa is one of the blue zones in the world where, where people live the longest. So I, I do think that there's something to that. I'd love to go back. But I grew up all over. You know, we were very fortunate to uh, be a part of a diverse community in the Air Force. And um, it opened my eyes up to really just the world. It was one of those experiences that even shaped the work that I'm doing today, meaning I never thought that I would be a, a speaker or an author. But when I started to create and design the career path that I knew would align with my gifts and my talents and my life experiences, one of the first things that came to mind was I want to be able to show my son the world. <laughs> and that definitely comes from being an Air Force kid myself. Right. And so we'll skip through all the other, you know, younger years. But when I started to find my way or at least started to think about, you know, what do I want to do, which usually starts if you decide to pursue college right before you go to college, right? right. Well, what do I major in? Because that's going to impact what am I going to do? And so I remember I was looking at different uh, schools and I finally decided on George Mason right outside of Washington, D.C. My parents and I are driving to school and my mom said, well, what are you going to major in? And I said, oh, communication. She said, why? I said, I don't know. I like to talk. So we'll start there. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going to land me. And on the other side of college, I found myself um, doing some HR work, which I did love very, very much. I was a recruiter. My background is in talent development. I was always a part of some sort of like, you know, training or new process rollout or a reorg. Right. No, the uh, interesting thing you said where you grew up in Okinawa, my youngest daughter is in the Air Force and spent two years there. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, she was there through COVID. So it mm. was not really equitable for me to go visit her, which I've <laughs> always wanted to. There's a lot of history, you know, with that island. And, uh, but she really had some really cool experiences over there doing that. So I was not military, but uh, she is. And uh, <laughs> so that, that's kind of been fun to see all the places she's seen in the world and things, the route that it's taking her. So you went through college, you got into the business side of things like that, but what took you, what got you into the coaching piece of it then? Yeah. So, um, life, you know, we, we think that we have a five or a 10 year plan. And definitely if you come from an air force family, you right. have to have a plan, <laughs> but, but life happened and I was 29, uh, married and my husband was a new entrepreneur. He had opened up a CrossFit gym. We had a beautifully blended family and my son was two and a half at the time. And I was working for a national home building company as a recruiter, working on some executive level positions. And one day, um, one evening, everything changed in this life that my husband and I started to create for and with one another. And so I was working on an executive level position when I needed to do some interviews from home that evening, which sometimes would happen, but very, very, very rarely. I really like to protect my time outside of the office, but hey, when it duty calls, it calls, right? right? Yeah. So I text my husband because anybody who has kids knows Somebody's you have to pass the baton right. <laughs> at just the right time to keep everything moving forward. 
So we had coordinated that I would pick up the kids and I uh, would have them back at the house and he would finish out his classes for the day. So I was at home and my son was watching TV. My stepdaughter was at her mom's house where uh, Richard would pick her up after his last class. And so as I'm on the first call, I remember my cell phone was face down and it was just out of arm's reach and it was on vibrate. So I was using the house phone. Hopefully your listeners remember what a house <laughs> phone is. I'm using the house phone and my cell phone started to vibrate and it was going off so much that I, I thought that I set an alarm and I reached over and I noticed that I had several missed calls from one of the women at our gym, one of our, our gym members. And so, as you know, in any moment where you're like, wait, what's going on? Your mind starts to think like 4,000 thoughts in a right. millisecond, right? So I started to think all of these different scenarios of maybe Richard fell off of one of the pieces of equipment that we call a rig. He could have broken his arm. He could have hit his head, you know, all of these different mm -hmm. scenarios. And so I then at that moment when she was calling again, I put the candidate on mute and just to answer her call to say, hey, is everything OK? And when I picked up the phone, what was on the other side, I really couldn't prepare for because all I heard was screaming. I heard chaos. And then I was able to make out one word, which was shot. So I quickly got off the phone with the candidate and made my way to the gym. Um, once I got there, there was a sea of people, people who I knew, some who I, I didn't know, first responders. Um, and that night, somebody had walked into the CrossFit gym while my husband was teaching his class, shot him three times, and he died instantly without ever seeing it coming. And mm. so from that moment forward, um, it was a very difficult year. I ended up losing not just Richard, but I lost my house, my car, my job. It was it was a right. year from hell, right. to be honest. And that was the place where I started to fight for my life. And I realized one of the things I needed to do was master my mindset, because if I didn't master my mind, it was going to take the best of me. And my right. son didn't deserve to lose both parents. Right. Well, I'm sorry that you experienced that. Clearly, you have uh, leveraged that horrible experience into something positive. And I'm interested in learning a little bit more about, about that. I mean, clearly, we're going to get to that. One thing we want to do is we have some what we call uh, rapid fire questions just to get to know you. And I feel like you've really set the stage. So maybe what we're going to ask you are very appropriate questions with what you have dealt with. And uh, I think we just want to give the audience a little bit of an insight on, you know, who you are, what, what you're made up of and how you function on that. So the first one simply is this, what is your favorite way to relax or de-stress? Mm, it's going to sound crazy, but like watching TV and hopefully with a baked good in my hand. <laughs> Brownie donut, I won't be picky. Just but that is zen my out. way to de-stress. Yeah. Yep. Focus on the other things that are happening in the world that maybe aren't so negative. Or... Yes, yes. Do you have a bucket list? I sure do. There's a lot on that bucket yeah? list. Ma mainly, mainly travel. It's nothing uh -huh. too adventurous like skydiving, but I do have a bucket list that's tied to travel. <laughs> What's your top place? Uh, South Africa, actually. Oh, ah, that's a that would sound like a gorgeous trip. Yes, yes. Speaking of uh, military families, a good friend of mine, her um, husband was and and still is a pilot in the Air Force, and some of her pictures, yes, the Cape of Good Hope, I believe, mm -hmm. South Africa, mm -hmm. just beautiful, breathtaking pictures from there. Yes, I can't wait. I have a couple of people on my list that I'll be calling when that yeah. trip does happen. <laughs> <laughs> What's one of the strangest things you've ever seen while walking or driving down the street? Oh, my gosh. Okay, <laughs> well, now I'm taking myself into Philly because I'm like, of course, we see crazy things in the city, don't we? Um, hmm. I can't think of anything that's, that's quite fine. appropriate to no, share. No, that, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I was like, this will probably come up to be something she can't share. Yes, so, yes, yes. No, uh, you would, we'll move on from that. Uh, we were just, I know at age 29 is what I, you know, when that event took place that you lost your husband and how you had to talk about rebuilding yourself. I'm sure that like for the next, say, 12 months were just like a hellish nightmare. 
But at some point, I don't know what, did you have family around or what was your support system at that point in time? Yeah. So I did have family around. My parents lived uh, not far from where I was located at the time. So thankfully they were there a lot, which was very helpful, obviously with a young son, but I have to tell you my friend group, I mean, the way that they just showed up and thought about every single detail, mm -hmm. because when you lose someone so suddenly, you know, you don't have time to plan any of these right. end of life things that just all of a sudden are thrown on you. And so certainly within the first week when I was in complete shock, but then the shock lingered for a right, while. Right. It was really my friend group who they were next door. They were down the street. They just helped to make sure that I had food, the trash was being taken out, you know, little things that we don't right. think about, but life still has to continue. Um, so I definitely had a strong support system, which I'm forever grateful for. And, and then through that process a little bit, though, it, it got you to where you're into coaching. So you clearly, it sounds like you had to, you know, move and I'm sure you had a gym. You had to now figure out how to sell or liquidate, uh, mm -hmm. just different things like that. Clearly overwhelming, I would imagine. Is this something you have? I mean, you had experience with human resources and recruiting and, you know, communication, but from the business side of things, was this a total new experience or did you have some experience in business before? Were you part of that process? You know, opening Absolutely that new. I, I, as far as establishing myself as an entrepreneur, never would have thunk it, Gary. Yeah. Never. I, I mean, I just didn't. And, and the day that I was let go was very hard because my boss and I were very, very close. Okay. And I was in a Burnham and Turnham environment. The industry right. was just, it is what it is. Right. And it, I was seeing this happen all around me, people who were let go suddenly. And so when I was walking out of the building and I'm sobbing at this point, I held it together until I, my hand got on the car handle door and I pulled open and I just let it all go. And I'm sitting there sobbing. And, and what came to mind was, all right, I have two options here. I can either go and find another job because that would be the smart thing to do. You know, I need benefits. I'm a mom, right? but there's something else that's telling me that I need to create a life that would provide the freedom and flexibility where I can always put my son first because corporate America, it's not that nice, no, no. helpful, compassionate to single parents. So I knew that I was going to have to pave my own way. And so at the time, what started to come up for me was, well, I feel very pulled to share how do we manage grief in the workplace? We cannot just let it be an elephant in the room. But with my HR background, talking about grief in the workplace, right. I knew that wasn't going to get too far. Right. <laughs> it, you know, it's one of those uncomfortable topics. And so I quickly pivoted to, I don't want to focus on grief. I want to focus on growth. How can I help people, regardless of their circumstance, learn how to do some of the things that I was starting to see results in my life that pertain specifically to how am I training my mindset so that I could choose my response to life instead of just letting life have its way with me? Right. But this also happened that you lost your job like shortly after losing your husband? A year after. A year after. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that was a very tough year in your life. It probably... I moved out of my house and sold and closed it on a Friday. I walked into the job on Monday and was let go. Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. wow. It was a rocky year. Yeah. So, and it probably would, uh, it's probably a, a watershed moment in your life then, obviously going through that traumatic experience. So how did you bridge that gap then? Did you, going from coaching, take coming out of your job to bridge that? Yes. Yes. I just, I'm the type of person where if I want to do something, I'm going all in. I okay. dive in head first. So the first thing I did was I wanted to leverage my network. I was in human resources. So I knew I was going to go back right. to them because that was going to be the area to help people within an organization. Right. So thankfully I had a really, really great and deep network of individuals who believe very much in what I was doing. And even if it wasn't clear at first, they were like, but we know that you have a lot to offer. So right. I had a lot of good coaching around me. Again, networking that provided opportunities to learn about, okay, well, how can I serve corporate America and what exactly are they looking for? But what became very evident, as I mentioned, is that they didn't want to talk about the grief aspect of it. So the first idea was to talk about, well, how do we put ca compassion into action in the workplace, which was fantastic. A lot of people need that kind of 
guidance, if you will, because we know how to be good in relationship or, you know, when somebody who's close to us is going through something hard, like a friend or a loved one, but we don't know how to make that translate to a colleague or maybe even a boss. And so it was a great way for me to get my foot in the door. But again, that clarity came the more I was putting myself out there, which I think is really important for entrepreneurs to understand. You can have a great idea, but it's just an idea. And you don't even know if it's going to serve the purpose that you desire until you start getting out there and having conversations with people. And so that's where I started to crystallize exactly how I wanted to help individuals. It was really by immersing myself in my network to get feedback on the thing that I wanted to offer. So part of your process is really helping companies probably come up with just even a grief management plan. Is that somewhat accurate that they would like if they're, they have individuals experiencing different things, they now have a format and how to handle that? Or is that not So early on, I did have a compassion action plan, which is definitely for leaders who want to take care of their people who are going through hard times. But today as my business is positioned as a keynote speaker and also as a consultant to organizations is I'm helping them to implement growth mindset principles that's going to elevate their leadership and also elevate their people. And the interesting thing is that this started to take fire over the pandemic when they were like, oh, we need to help our people with their mindset. Like I was telling you this six years ago, but it's fine. We're ready for the conversation now. And so it was great because all of the work that I had done as a friend of mine told me, she said, Karen, you're planting seeds. It's bound to rain. And it was during the pandemic when all of a sudden everybody said, wait, how do we take care of ourselves and one another? that I was ready for the call. And the call came day after day, week after week, month after month for quite a while. And so really the essence of where I help people is to help them to develop that growth mindset so that they can navigate any change or uncertainty and really just the ups and downs that come with life. You know, and that's interesting. You bring up the pandemic. I know it was uh, it was tragic for a lot of people. And there's a lot of, I think I've seen like children, especially school aged, ha- have had a tough time struggling with separation from their friends and routines in life. However, I know for us as well, the pandemic probably, we benefited from that from a business perspective tremendously. I think it was a lot of what you were saying though, we were just prepared. So we were ready when that, when that opportunity rose. Uh, It probably in some ways with the way companies function and do things today, it probably accelerated some of the technology by years, if not decades. Absolutely. And so that's, you know, we're sitting here doing what we're doing today. Even 10 years ago would have been a not, you know, it just wouldn't have happened. So Mm -hmm. it's crazy how fast that really uh, escalated technology for us. So I can understand that. I think the one thing, and I know you probably work with large companies, I guess one thing I'm curious because we have a lot of business owners that listen to this. And one of the things that we often get from business owners, I wonder if you have a response for this is, but how do you, you know, they can go through all the training they want. They can read all the books. They can, you know, change the way they do things. How do they translate that down to maybe even the lowest level position where those people feel valued and motivated to maybe grow and advance themselves so that, they can move up the corporate ladder or, you know, find themselves in a better position. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things where it does start with a leader. So the fact that they're already embodying that, that is a great first step. Right. (laughs) Because if you don't do that, if you're not setting the example of what you're expecting, then people are going to feel lost and confused. Right. Now, what happens, though, is we want people to then act the same way we do. Think the same way we do. Be as ambitious as we are. And That's not the reality. The reality is that everybody is very different in their motivations and aspirations and also just in the way that they work and even, of course, the way that they think. So what's most important is if a a business owner wants to see that everyone in their organization, top to bottom, is motivated and thinking about how can I become better? How can I make this organization better? There's a lot of different ways to do it, but it does start with adopting this growth mindset, which... If you don't mind, I think I need to clarify this term because Go ahead. because I've even gone into organizations that are like, we want to talk about growth mindset because we started talking about it the wrong way. So we need you to fix this. I'm like, okay, no problem. When I talk about growth mindset, you're thinking of, we're talking about the ability for somebody to expand their capabilities, right? Right. So you're not just born with specific talents and, and gifts or, or even intelligence. 
That's something that you can expand on. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, when you're expecting for everybody in the organization to pursue growth, you have to create an environment where they feel comfortable to grow. Now, as children, it was very easy for us to lean into growth because we were always learning, right? Right. From the time we were learning how to walk all the way through our ABCs and then up through the diploma maybe that we received. But the point is, is we were in a safe space. We were in a school environment where you're expected to learn. You're expected to make mistakes and it's okay. But then all of a sudden we get into a job and we're expected to know everything Mm -hmm. and we don't want to share our mistakes. And we're worried that we may not look like we have everything together if we don't have the right answer. So then what starts to become tied to our growth and our learning experience could be shame, could be a little bit of doubt. And when you have those things in play, then it starts to deteriorate a psychologically safe environment. So if you want to see your people passionately pursue whatever motivates them, they have to feel, feel very comfortable to learn and to grow and to be human while doing all of this, which means they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be imperfect. They're going to maybe take a risk and fall flat on their face. And so the kind of environment that really these business owners should be thinking about is how am I creating an environment where they feel safe to fail? Because if you can fail fast, then you can grow even faster. Right. One thing that we haven't discussed here is growth is change and change is difficult. And most of the the people that are in our admin positions are the slow, steady, um, you know, secure. Yeah. So the growth that we're talking about, the change that we're talking about is extremely uncomfortable. And there's a lot of resistance there. Absolutely. And the resistance again comes from, well, how am I going to be perceived if I don't know it all? Or this does feel uncomfortable and who wants to get outside of their comfort zone? This feels safe. And so again, creating an environment where you're normalizing and there's a couple of things that I speak on. So number one, normalize feedback. We should constantly be giving feedback, not fearing it. Right. And a lot of times feedback, again, coming from an HR background is only given once a year during your annual review. Yes. What a nervous time of year to come around to, right? You're like, I don't know what they're going to say. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. And then everybody is kind of like up in arms because they're on edge. When really what you want to do is you on a regular basis, be able to give good feedback. Good feedback is quality feedback, which means that it's very specific. There's some data points there. It may be about something you did wrong, but it could be about something you did great. That's still feedback. We want to thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one. They have a sales program. They also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high-level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments. They can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12-month period. Certainly, they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them at www.garybontrager.com. You can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer And that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. Well, it's interesting too, is oftentimes what, what you're talking about is just opening up that those channels of communication that go both ways. I find it interesting how many times there's like just not even a channel of communication and you'll have an employee leave and out of an exit interview what what they are understanding their job was and what maybe their leader or boss thought it was are two different things. And it's interesting how there's so much lack of communication or clarity in some of that. And I think really what we're building back to 
is that the other thing I find, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on this, but often companies hire people when they need a certain position filled and somebody needs to have a job and they're, or they're available. And we work a lot with small business. So sometimes it's a family member. We'll get into it and find out that there's a few employees that are not happy and they would rather they're, you know, they're just looking at leaving and what what are they going to do? And why do we have so many people that want to leave when really people are in the wrong seats and it goes back to what you're saying. So, um, do you see that a lot as well? Like where people end up kind of in the wrong position because that they, they needed a job, they took this job, maybe now they've developed some skills they'd like to advance. There's mm -hmm. not really opportunities. So they're just going to leave and go to company B now. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think the definitely. communication well, would eliminate that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a little bit of both, right? So okay. individuals, I, I've worked with individuals who are like, I'm in transition because I know that I'm in a spot that is not good for me. And, you know, interestingly enough, the pandemic helped people to do a, a reset on, right. am I yeah. in the right position? It wasn't just like, oh, I'm leaving because I don't want to work for an organization. It was like, I don't think I'm in the right position. I need right. to make a change because what we need to keep in mind is that our work integrates with our life. And so we want to make sure that our work also supports our life. Right. And it's not creating um, this tension, if you will, where you feel like you have to have one or the other or one is going to suffer if the other one is thriving. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so but I also work with founders and I also work with executives within organizations who are looking at the same thing you're talking about to say, well, why are people leaving or what else do I need to do with this particular individual who right. is voiced? And so here's kind of like a. So it's going to be a 30,000 foot view of how you can handle this. But if you were to ask an individual on your team, if you could ask every individual, it'd be great. But we'll say there's a particular individual who says, I'm looking for a change. This isn't working for me. And you say, based on your job description, could you highlight everything that gives you energy? And then could you cross out everything that drains you? Because what you want to do is you first want to find out what is helping to uplift this individual? Because when we're in a high energy state, then we're more productive, we're more creative, we're more innovative, right? Right. But if we're in a low energy state, then we're not going to be productive or any of those other things. And so if somebody is constantly feeling drained by their work, what's eventually going to happen? They'll either burn out or they're going to leave. Right. So just by identifying the list of responses, or the, I would say the, jo the job description, we'll start there, not just list of responsibilities. Right. But if you could start there and ask them where they feel like they get energy, then you can also start to create some opportunity to bring in more opportunities that does serve their energy. Mm -hmm. And what we when we really feel like we are thriving, when we really feel like we're doing such a great job is when we're in flow. Right. When we are in flow, we are more creative and we're more productive. But if we're constantly bombarded by all of these different responsibilities that are not helping us to grow, that don't make us feel like we're contributing some good to the organization, then we start to look elsewhere. So really right. what you could do is you could just start by asking individuals based on what they are responsible for, where do they have the most energy and where do they feel drained? Now, does that mean that the areas where they feel drained, you're just going to pull them off of their, their job. No, that's not what that means. But it does give you a glimpse into the things that they do not enjoy doing. And there may be an opportunity to tweak or reposition where they are going to be able to thrive. Right. Because when people say, oh, well, I want my business to thrive. And I hear this a lot from founders. Oh, I want my business to thrive. How? It starts with people who are thriving. Right. If they are constantly operating in a lower energy they're on their way to burnout. Right. But if you can give them a scope of work that's tied to their gifts and their interests, and it helps them to grow, it can be a catalyst for their growth, then that changes the way they're engaging with the responsibilities. It's not just a job description. It starts to become more of a purposeful experience. And by doing that, I would even add, they're taking ownership of the project or what it is that they're working on. And once we take ownership, we have a total different uh, momentum, different view. There's some skin in the game, yeah. right? And now it changes. That yeah, that's yeah. huge. Definitely. So let's um, shift a little bit, if you will. Uh, so in, in the professional or personal development world, you hear a lot of speakers talk about and use different phrases that include shift. So you've got mm -hmm. your book, Stop and Shift. Can you like talk to us a little bit about what that process means to you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's I tell people, and this is very true, it was the mental exercise that saved my life. 
because I was stuck in these negative thought cycles. And all I could do was give my full attention to all of the problems that I was facing. I mean, you heard my story. There were a lot of problems that I was facing. And so because my attention was there, wherever your focus goes, it expands. So if all you're focused on are your problems, all you're going to see are your problems. So what I recognized was there was this one very pivotal moment that I noticed all I could do was think about the person who took my husband's life, which it's been a decade and it's actually turned into a cold case. They never found the person who took his life. And so when I was thinking about that person, I kept thinking about, gosh, they had so many opportunities to make a different choice. You know, they didn't have to get in the car. They didn't have to pull up to the gym. They didn't have to get out of the gym. Or even if they were standing there with their finger on the trigger, they didn't have to pull it. Right. And so what cemented in my mind was the power of choice that at all of these different moments, if that person had chosen differently, then my life would be different. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, Karen, you're choosing right now too. You didn't choose for this to happen to you, but you get to choose how you respond to it. Right. And so I had to start to, I couldn't stop those thoughts, the negative thoughts that would come up. I couldn't stop them from coming in, which is very important to note. But you do get to choose how long you stay in that negative thought loop. So this is how it started to happen. I would notice a negative thought and I would say, oh, stop. Hold on. (laughs) And I would see like a red stop sign come in my head. Stop. Hold on. And then I would ask myself, okay, what is a positive or productive step forward at this moment? And so what started to happen was it was like this alternate path was forming. So when people talk about shifting, a lot of times they're talking about, well, sorry, let me back up. When people talk about pivoting, which is what was coming up during the pandemic, I kept thinking, but that means that one foot is in that same place. You're just, I played basketball. So that's why my (laughs) mind went there. I'm like, you're just in the same place. That's not what we're talking about. For me, that shift means that you might be taking your life in a whole different direction based on one choice. You could be completely changing your mindset. You could change the dynamics of your family and how your children are raised all by the choices that you're making in your head. So that shift is very significant because it ties right back to what are you choosing? And when we find ourselves in a moment where, again, I didn't ask for my husband to lose his life. I didn't ask to lose my job. I didn't want any of those things to happen. But I had to stop and acknowledge that even though I didn't want all those things to happen, they were a reality and they were my starting point. And from that point, I take back my power about what I'm choosing. And that's why the shift is so important. You can't just stop and be like, okay, all right, I'm pausing. I'm aware of this. Now it's what direction do you want to take your life? So it's a fair statement that you have to replace negativity or the things that were affecting you with something else. Is that absolutely as I gather what you're saying? That's what I'm hearing, because I think a lot of times I've heard people make, you know, I'm they have a bad habit. They have a bad pattern. And it's just like, stop it. But it's not that simple because then it'll just create a void and you're going to just flood in something else if you're not intentional. So exactly. Exactly. uh, Gary, I want to give you a quick example. So the other day, my mom said she was stressing about something. She was up at three o'clock in the morning, stressing about this thing. Right. And so she said, and I was telling myself, let it go, let it go, let it go. I said, mom, every time you said, let it go, you were focusing on it. Right. What you have to do is you, you can't just ruminate on it. And by saying, let it go, stop thinking about it. You're attaching yourself to it even more. You have to replace that thought. Right. So instead of thinking of, oh, let this thing go, you could actually think to yourself, I'm so grateful for this bed that I'm in. I'm so thankful that I'm healthy. Now, I will say that this comes with a a cautionary warning. That doesn't mean that you're just replacing it, which could then lead to you suppressing it. Right. You do have to allow yourself to feel those emotions. You can notice those thoughts, again, because you can't stop them from coming in. But this is why a growth mindset is so important, because once you stop, you actually create more room for other possibilities. And that's what a growth mindset is. It's expansive, it's open, it's agile. And so once you're able to stop and you're not just focused on the thing that is probably the most expansive in your frame of attention, now you have more room to see those other options, those other alternate paths and replace them as needed. No, I would agree with that. Uh, I think too often it can be, and maybe that was a older process of working through things. Like I think of my parents' generation, they suppressed, I think, everything. (laughs) And sometimes wonder, you know, but they didn't have the education that, or the things available to them we have now. But it's, it is important to figure out 
ways to replace that. In your book, when you decided to write that, what was a motivating factor in that? I mean, what got yeah. you to that point? I mean, I understand you're an author, or you're not only an author, but a speaker, and those things, you know, are very beneficial to you for doing those things. It, but what was something that you that really motivated you in that? I can tell you exactly what the motivation okay. was. I knew that stop and shift helped me to get out of a place that was going to be detrimental, if not fatal, for me. Okay. And because I came so far in my healing and my growth journey, I just knew that it was it could help other people. However, I was very cautious because I did think to myself at first, well, maybe I'm lucky or maybe this is magic or I don't know what it is, right? Right. And then I started to learn about really the science of mindfulness, the science of positive psychology and neuroplasticity. And by understanding those three areas of our human potential, then it gave me the confidence to share this technique of how I train my brain with other people. Because my goal was definitely to be a speaker, but I knew not everybody was going to hear me on stage right, or in a conference right. room or at a retreat or where, wherever it is. So the goal with the book was to be able to reach as many people as possible, to help as many people as possible so that everybody could have an opportunity to thrive. That is awesome. Uh, is the book primarily geared towards, and I really regret not having read this book before this interview. I really like to do that when I have an author on the podcast, just so that I know clearly what the book's about. But can you give us a little bit like the context of the book yeah. and what's in it? I mean, it is, you know, is it share some personal life stories or is it more just the process to help people gain clarity and the direction yeah, no, they great want. question. Great question. So I broke it out into two parts. So the first part is about the technique of stop and shift. How does it work? Stop is rooted in mindfulness. So there's a lot of different ways you can become more mindful. And so I talk about the power of mindfulness and how effective it is. And of course, how beneficial it is for our overall well-being. Um, so we talk about how do you stop? How do you notice that voice in your head? How can you just notice your thoughts without becoming trapped in them? And then you go into the shift. As I mentioned, it's all about the power of choice, but it really is about harnessing the power of positive psychology, because positive psychology is the study of how humans flourish, how we thrive, you know, things like grit and, and joy and resilience. There, there are things you can do that will measurably change your behavior and your thought life. And it's all rooted in positive psychology, which is that shift. And then neuroplasticity is the pattern, right? Because yes. repetition is what helps us to create new thought patterns, but certainly new habits in general in life. So the first part of the book goes over the actual process of stop and shift. But then I realized, and of all the stories that I was hearing of people who were using it, but I hadn't grown my brand enough to start sharing them on a big platform, I started to pull in some either stories of people who I knew um, or just stories based of all of the books that I've read. I have a library, right. a small library in my house. <laughs> and so I wanted to bring in that anecdotal evidence that showed how important it is to master your mind mindset and how much your life can change when you let go of these negative barriers and blockers. And I focus on five of them. So by focusing on these five very common mental barriers, um, I apply stop and shift to them so that you can see, okay, if I'm stressing, how can I get over stress? If, if doubt is in my way, then how do I move through doubt? And if I'm stuck in the past, how do I stop and shift so I can get out of the past and into the present? And so by ap applying it to those five mental barriers, it helps you to then practice and see, well, how do I apply this to the different areas of my life? And the last piece that I had to throw in there because I love to give homework uh, is there are activities in the book okay. as well. In each chapter, awesome. there are different activities yeah. that help you to apply uh, these little habits to change your mindset. That is awesome. I want to ask you uh, from your, I guess, professional opinion, because you've written this book, and I think mm -hmm. you'd have some uh, insight on this. So when we as humans have all these negative habits and patterns and thought processes, as we're born, we're really born with complete innocence. So those are essentially trained habits as well, correct? To some level? To some level. And what are your thoughts on that? Because I Okay, feel I was going like, to say, is there a question? <laughs> yeah, because my question is, I want your thoughts on that because... I, I've heard the comment said, well, that's just how he is, or that's how mm -hmm. she is. And I always call, you know, bullshit on it because mm -hmm. we can, we still choose how, how we are, you know, I mean, as children, we are affected, you know, I mean, 
there's research that shows how we're affected from age zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 25 and maybe 30, depending on male or female <laughs> till we're fully developed. And a lot of that has to do, yes, with our DNA and our mm -hmm. culture growing up and our families and things like that. But uh, just curious how you would interpret that. Absolutely. So this is a, just a really great example because it's very common. If you grew up in a house where you had an alcoholic parent, and let's say you had siblings as well, every sibling is going to respond differently to that experience right. because they've had their own individual experience of what it's like to grow up in that household. Right. Now, if that alcoholic parent also had alcoholic parents who had alcoholic parents, then something else comes into play here, epigenetics, right? Mm -hmm. Epigenetics is talking about this wiring, your DNA, like all of these things that we don't see, but they do play into who you are. Now, let's go back to those kids in the same scenario. The siblings are all exposed to the alcoholic parent. They all grew up right. together. We'll say they're in a small enough age group where, um, you know, it's not like somebody was 18 and going out of the house and then there was a two-year-old. Right. They're all kind of growing up around the same time. One of them, because they've seen their parent operate this way, could say, oh, I guess that's how it's done. So I'm going to fall right in line. And another one could say, actually, this looks crazy. I want nothing to do right. with it. I see how it's been. And they go a different way. The difference between the two, their choices. Choice. Now, some of it could be a little bit of, you know, how much of the DNA from this parent is in you. Sure, absolutely. But even if we went down to they had as much similar as possible, as humanly possible, it still boils down to the choices that they're making. And so it's not just about, okay, well, what is my natural wiring and my programming? Although that's very important to account for because everybody's brain print, just like our thumbprint, is completely different. Right. And it's not something that we can see, that we can measure. And it's something we're even trying to figure out about ourselves. Right. But without understanding us at even the most like smallest level of, oh, why am I wired this way? Even if you didn't understand why you're wired a certain way, you still have all of the power in the world to choose how you want to respond to the world, right. how you want to live in this world, who you want to be in this world. It does boil down to choice. But what you have to take into account is if you do have other things at play that aren't seen, for example, if you have a mental illness then you might need to do other things that are going to put you in a biological place that allows you to make these good decisions, right? So that you're cognitively able to make sound decisions. right? And so that's something that is also going to be an individual journey. But just to answer the question that you're asking, which is based on our wiring, can we still then choose to go against the grain? The answer is yes. yes. It may take a different pathway. It may take different resources and different tools to help you get to that point. But the answer is yes, you yeah. can take control of your mindset and your life. Right. No, I appreciate that. I agree with that uh, completely. It's, uh, I don't think you are sitting here doing today what you're doing and impacting people's lives without doing exactly what you wrote about. You certainly had to shift or stop and shift your direction. Uh, you could go into a dark hole and play the poor me card the rest of your life. You earned it, or I shouldn't say you earned it. It was given to you, you know, but you chose to take the better path. So I hope that's inspiring for people that listen to this because it certainly comes back to choices we make. Uh, there's, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there with how you can take children out of the same situation and how they do choose and make choices. We see it in probably our own families. We see it with our friends and their families all the time. And uh, one thing I talk about a lot is figuring out what your life's mission and core values are, even before we set goals. Uh, part of your stop and shift, I mean, is that something you focus on a little bit about that? Because I Absolutely. feel like so often people can set goals and, and when we're young, we can set them and they can be very unhealthy. Because it usually involves just maybe making a lot of wealth. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but once we really know what our life's mission and true work is, then it's something very different. So I'm curious what some of your thoughts are on that. Well, you know what? I love that you said that, Gary, because when I talk about the shift, the exercise in the book is called your guiding compass. Okay. And when you are clear on the type of person you want to be, it actually makes it so much easier to make all those choices to align with the person that you want to be. Right. It's just how often have we actually paused to think about 
what type of person do I want to be in this world? What type right. of parent do I want to be or, or, or a partner, right? And so the reason this was so important, because remember, Stop and Shift came from my own personal experience, right. was because when I was in my darkest time, my son came into my room and he said, Mommy, are you going to get up today? Are you going to eat? And I could see that everything I was choosing me, uh, that I was choosing, excuse me, I was giving up. Right. I was act. I was living on autopilot. I was not being intentional. So then I thought to myself, okay, well, what would it look like to get up? And it was like little things that I would do that, you know, making sure that I got outside and got, you know, went for a walk, had some sun on my face, little things like that. They started to add up. And the reason I could start to do all these small different habits was because locked in my mind was what kind of mom do I want to be to Caleb? Right. And the three words that came to mind were healthy, happy, and whole. And I may not feel any of those three things right now, but just by having those words identified in my mind and my heart, they set the direction for my choices and my thoughts. Mm. And so they became the filter in which how I was responding to a frustrating moment. If I was, you know, thought if I was caught up in a negative thought cycle and I was like, okay, well, how do I, it, they really helped me to choose how am I going to show up in this moment? And so I put the exercise in the book because it's so important that we are very clear on who we want to be so that we can make choices so that we can think thoughts so that we can say words that are aligned with being that person. If we don't have clarity on who we want to be, then we just end up being whoever the world sees or perceives us to be. Mm -hmm. I agree yeah. very much. I appreciate that so much. That is very powerful. I think it's just a matter of taking control of our own life and picking yes, our own your life, own yes. own your response to life. Yeah, it's uh, it's that's very powerful stuff. It's uh, I appreciate you sharing and laying that out. It's it's interesting to me how you know it can be crazy how it can be a child that can motivate us or whatever that is, but I would challenge anybody listening find whatever it takes to motivate you to do the positive things. And to make mm -hmm. that life change. Um, you have any questions, Heather, at this, that you can think about? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like you're sitting here and you've got I'm a lot going it all through in. your head. I had convers or questions, but I think, you know, there was so much covered here that was powerful that is, um, you know, we talked earlier with a guest about taking those times for yourself to really identify what you want, like you, you know, you spoke of and, and just laying out the plan for yourself. Who do you want to be? That That's such an important question for people to ask themselves that are kind of wandering. I used to consider myself or call myself a tumbleweed. I would just kind of let, you know, the world happen around me. And it's so much more powerful to actually uh, take part in life <laughs> instead of yeah. letting it happen. So I have one question for you. We always ask our guests this, and I'm not sure why I didn't ask you this earlier. But what I like to know is, and I think I like to share this with the audience because I find that the guests find this, or listeners find this helpful. Do you have a morning routine? I sure do. Okay. Yes. That's a great question, actually. 100% we find that successful people do. The only ones that find a skewed morning routine typically are the ones with small children because that can dictate <laughs> a different path. But would you share that with us? Yes, yes. And, you know, this plays right into exactly what we were talking about. It's like to be intentional about how we're living, right? Because if we just wake up and we're responsive, uh, maybe even reactive in some way, then we don't have any intentionality even with our day that we're about right. to enter into. So there are a couple of things. So one of the first things that I like to do is I like to brush my teeth with my left hand instead of my right, just to kind of get a little neuroactivity going in there. You like to balance that out. Um, I also have, and this will change, but um, right next to my sink, I have whatever I want to say, like for the next month, maybe, or even longer, but it's like a mantra you'd say, like, uh, I have clarity. I am powerful. I feel very strong. I feel very grounded. Whatever I need, whatever I feel like I have been either lacking or anything I'm trying to draw in is right there. It's usually about five or six statements. So I say that right after. 
of course I do have a son, so I have to get him out of the house. And then I come back to my morning routine once he's out, which I have to say for any parent, it's okay if it's not in the beginning of your day, meaning before you get your kids out to school, whenever you can carve out this time, it's really important. Um, But then once I get back to the house, I have a sunroom and sitting in the sunroom is so important for my soul. And during that time, I might do visualization or meditation, or I might grab my one minute gratitude journal, but in some way, shape, perform, I'm sitting in that sunroom and I'm just having still time with myself. And I am drawing in all the good energy that I need to get through the day. Um, And then I will always finish it out with just thinking to myself, today is going to be a good day. Today is going to be such a good day. No matter what comes my way, today is going to be a good day. And I will tell you, my son is a preteen. There are some challenging moments that are completely unexpected. <laughs> right. And so by grounding myself, even when I bump up against those very challenging and hormonal moments, I still feel grounded. You right. know, I, I may be a little flustered or I may even feel stressed or I may even feel worried, but I never lose myself in those moments. And that, that it's been a game changer. I have, I, that is awesome because I, uh, a couple of things there. One, I have found for myself, I just am a lot less reactionary and a lot more intentional. And with clients, the thing I find interesting, I think the hardest thing that for most people to do that, if they've never done this, what you just shared is taking that time alone to just be quiet and meditate and shut it down. And to me, it's like, it has to happen every day, but Mm -hmm. that is a piece that really makes a lot of people very uncomfortable in the beginning. I think (laughs) we're so stimulated that it's just difficult to just kind of bring it down and to that Zen level a little bit and let our mind kind of wander and go through some of those possibilities. Uh, As we've talked about, you're an author. I know you're a podcast host, a keynote speaker. Where do people find you and find your content? Yeah, head over to the website, karenallen.co. That's karenallen.co. And you can also find me on social media because I may not be completely committed to social media, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. So, but if you come over to the website, you'll get, you know, blog, you'll get a newsletter, get podcasts. All the good stuff is in one place for you to find. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you joining us on the Mindset Growth Podcast. Uh, Folks, please go out and follow her and listen to her content. Check out her book. I know it's going to be a very powerful and impactful book in your life. With that, I want to thank you for joining us at Mindset Growth Podcast. You could uh, please click on the subscribe button. You will get all the updates and follow us on anything new we have coming out, hit the like on any of those episodes you really like so that we can get your feedback. If you have questions or any guests you want to see on our podcast, share those with us as well. And we appreciate your support. Mm-hmm.